Perhaps creation wants to have to sing, but its joy is with a lonely home. Yes, praise the Lord. It is chat time again. Now, this week, we will continue to discuss current events and scriptures. Praise the Lord. So, it's time for our segment, Where Do You Think This Phrase Came From? And everybody says it, you know, a drop in the bucket, a drop in a bucket. And what it means is that it's very insignificant in comparison to the, the whole big picture and it can be found in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 15, which reads, Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as the smallest dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. And that's our phrase for the week. So I, I want to continue with our topic we were talking about forgiveness but I want to catch a couple of uh, current events and someone sent me this to me you know you've heard of Saddleback Church vaguely um, well Saddleback Church was um, I think the pastor was that uh, Rick Warren who uh, the Southern Baptist church he wrote what he wrote that book everybody was reading it and studying it and what book um man, now i can't even remember what the name of the book was but it was a uh, bestseller huh <laughs> yeah and i know people did um people did like bible studies on really? on his book um i have a tendency not to uh, buy those but i wish i could remember it anyway the southern baptist convention just recently ousted the second largest congregation, Saddleback Church. Really? They ousted it. it. It was founded by the pastor, Rick Warren, and of course he's the best-selling author. But the reason uh -huh. is that he had a woman as a pastor. Isn't that remarkable? What, what was, was the, the name? Yes, the name of the book, the 
of his bestseller was the purpose driven right, life. That's the purpose driven right. life. The purpose driven life. Right. So uh, the vote by the convention's executive committee culminates growing tension between the nation's largest Protestant denomination, which officially opposes women as pastors, and a congregation whose story has been one of the biggest church growth successes of modern times. The committee cited Saddleback's having a female teaching pastor functioning in the office of a pastor. Um, but the controversy began in 2021 when Rick Warren ordained three women as pastors, prompting discussions within the denomination of possibly expelling the megachurch. So Rick Warren retired last year after more than 42 years at Saddleback Church he made an emotional speech in, in June of 2022 at the Baptist annual, Southern Baptist Annual Convention in Anaheim, standing by his ordination of women. He told delegates who debated the issue, we have to decide if we, want, if we will treat each other as allies or adversaries. So, um, so there's a, such a big misunderstanding of the scriptures as far as a woman's role, but even Paul said, and this is apart from the people who were just basically in administrative roles, he said for them to, uh, to support those women that labored with him in the gospel. So he let them know there are women out there who were working in the field just like he was, just like the other evangelists and the other apostles. But there are a lot of denominations that because of the scripture that deals with marriage, want to try to basically say that women aren't supposed to be pastors and they get the whole, they, the whole interpretation is just wrong. Yeah, I think too that who God calls, he qualifies. Right. And, 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 and he has no respected person. And maybe that's what the Lord is doing, breaking away from the, these, uh, these institutionalized denominations where they not they don't really give the word of God. They give uh, the rituals of men, and they teach it as if it's God's word, or they misinterpret God's word, and they just they refuse to me to see the truth. I I know a person, the Lord, they give the, the individual the gift of prophecy, and they told her because she was now here's God giving her the gift. It's not like she gave it to herself. And they told her that women are supposed to be silent in the church. Now, how you could see that that is a contradiction. It's, it just defies all common sense. And therefore, when God would give her something, she wouldn't try to share it because of a man-made interpretation. It's, uh, it's truly not from the Lord. It truly was man's interpretation. So what God was giving her, she finally, eventually, she, she ended up having to go because you just can't sit on, on the inspiration of the Lord and anointing of the Holy Spirit and God is trying to tell the church something and they're telling you because you're a woman, you know, God wouldn't tell you or God isn't using you or that's not the Lord. I've had a, I've seen the person go so far as I almost say that what the person's being told is not of God. Very, very dangerous uh, step and statement to make, but it's, it's as if there's this war against women all of a sudden, I mean, not just in the, in, in the world, you know, with all this transgender stuff, but within the churches. It's like the women are under attack 
everywhere. Well, anyway, moving on. Um, this, I had an article sent to me right after the Super Bowl, and now another article. Man, it's about the same thing. He gets us campaign. And I don't know if anybody ever paid any attention. The um, During the Super Bowl this, this year, um, there were ads. Um, and it, it's a campaign. And, you know, they, I guess, talked about be childlike, love your enemies, and and or they would talk about um, if you're feeling if you're feeling bad or you're uh, oppressed or, or whatever. At the end, it says he gets us. He gets us, and it was about I guess to spark your attention. So it did mine. So then I looked it up on the internet. What is he gets us? You know, and I guess it's to get people to um, talk about Jesus and to think about Jesus and to read about Jesus. And um, there's a video from one of the He Gets Us campaign ads, and it, it was on Facebook, and it said, I, I didn't see it myself, but it said that Jesus had to control his outrage too. <coughs> Excuse me. So if you were irritated or angry or... Or, or whatever, the whole idea is that there's somebody out there who understands you. <clears throat> so He Gets Us campaign saw a spike in the interest after they did the Super Bowl, although it has been out there since 2021. And um, the $20 million advertising campaign was funded in part by the family behind the religious craft store chain Hobby Lobby. As well as Christian, I was groups. wondering who. Uh, because, <coughs> excuse me. I was wondering because in order to have uh, a, uh, a an ad or something, any type of advertisement during the Super Bowl, you have to have a lot of money. What? Christian groups and other anonymous donors that bought two Super Bowl ads centered on the idea that when it comes to Jesus, he gets us. And, and it's a nice campaign, but um, I guess a lot of people are criticizing the campaign because right. they say that it doesn't want to take a stance on abortion, claiming the issue has proven too divis divisive, okay. loses sight of Jesus, um, the debate over abortion is a great example of how the real Jesus too often gets lost, overlooked, or distorted in debates over political and social issues, uh, said someone from the Fox News. But the other criticisms on the political and theological left, the campaign has been criticized for promoting an apolitical Jesus, for being supported and funded by conservative evangelicals, especially those that CNN says with connections to anti-LGBT and anti-abortion laws. Oh, really? <laughs> On the political right, the campaign has been criticized for being woke since it uses language that deemed in certain circles to be signaling a leftist political agenda such as justice, refugee, and inclusive. A more theological critique from conservatives is that the campaign doesn't directly state Jesus is God 
or offer a presentation of the gospel. Um, uh, they don't use the name of Jesus? You know, you don't really do. Uh, uh, what I saw, no, I guess. He gets us, and I wanted to know who gets us, what? <laughs> you know, so right. I looked it so up it for makes myself. You do some research, and you realize that the Lord gets us. Right, right. He gets us is a movement to reintroduce people to the Jesus of the Bible and his confounding love and forgiveness. We believe his words, example, and life have relevance in our lives today and offer hope for a better future. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't understand. I guess there's always going to be criticism among there's always somebody who's going to find fault in something. And no matter what. I don't care if it's politics or religion or your everyday. I mean, even down to how a person looks like an anchor on TV or, there, or too much makeup or not enough makeup or too fat or too thin. or You know, there's a lot of bullying all, all over the place. You yeah, know? you're not going to please everybody, but you only got one person to please, and that's God. Yes. Well, I... So the purpose of the He Gets Us campaign is to hope, is hoping to start a movement to put Jesus of the Bible in the front and center in our culture. And the ads are intended to direct people to the campaign's website, which it did. That it did its job for me. Once there, they can read around a dozen articles, watch additional videos, get free gear, no money required. Um, you can select a t-shirt, a sticker, or a hat. It encourages visitors to take action, like read about Jesus, connect with uh, other people, and text prayer or positivity. And So basically, it's trying to get your attention. To All right, so I guess they accomplished what they set out to do, and the fact that it is so expensive to get any type of advertisement in and to be able to afford to pay for those type of ads. Yeah, it's like, Super Bowl, a, it's like a million dollars an ad. Yeah, so you know, they had to do some fundraising. So in that sense, I commend them, so. Well, anyway, uh, we're, I wanna get back to our topic. We were talking about what is forgiveness and we were talking last week about how it's a release, it's a dismissal, it's a, dismissal it's a letting go of, of your sense of your needing to be needing to be justified. See, forgiveness isn't you forgetting or or condoning what somebody has done to you. It means that the retribution that you seek from that person, you you've released that individual from that. Because you have a right to have it, but you release the individual from that. And so in that sense, you are showing mercy. And it's not forget. It's not uh, a weakness. No. It's not, it's not letting it's not, it's not saying, an undeserving person win. Right. Right. Yeah. It's not saying, well, what you did is okay. It's not okay. But it's actually writing off a debt. That's exactly what forgiveness is, but you recognize what a debt is. So if a person owes something, and when the Lord says he forgets it, he doesn't mean in the sense that he has amnesia. He means forget in the sense that you no longer owe on it. So if you forgive somebody, if you were doing books, and there was a balance, 
you had a column for balance due or paid in full, if you look and there's no one in the balance column, then it means that it's no longer old. It's forgotten. It's written off. But somebody has to absorb the loss. So say if somebody owes you money and you tell them, oh, well, for just, just forget it, you know, and, you know, you don't have to pay it. You don't forget the fact that the person never paid you back, but you release them of that obligation, and you can't keep bringing that up as if they still owe it because you've forgiven it. But somebody had to pay it. That means the person who was owed the money paid it. And, and so what we talked about last week is that it's necessary for salvation. Yes. It's absolutely necessary. And uh, our sins are wiped out by God. And um, he did say that if we... You can't go to heaven unless you forgive unless like you, he did. Right. You have to be willing to forgive in the sense that retribution, which is your right to seek, but you have... You have shown mercy instead of judgment. So uh, we ended up talking about uh, what is forgiveness of others. So um, Ephesians 4.32 says that you have to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just like Christ forgave you. And uh, similarly, in Colossians 3.13, it says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. So you, you notice that when, he, when he's talking about forgiveness in, in this sense, he's talking among the brethren. Because people have a tendency, to, and this is strange, to be lighter and more forgiving with stranger, stranger than they are of their own. Yeah. So the Bible tells us that we have to forgive those who sinned against us we don't keep a record essentially what you were saying you don't keep a you, i mean you have a record but you wipe out that record you wipe it away and you have to forgive as many times as necessary right all right you forgive as many times as as necessary and if you refuse to forgive that shows that you have bitterness and resentment anger and, and none of that has any place to do with the Lord. Or you have a, a, a sense of, it's like a sense, in a sense, self-righteousness. Because you have a sense of entitlement as if you have done no wrong. And that's, that's the point that the Lord is trying to get people to see. If he could forgive us for our wrongs, then we, because we were truly, sincerely sorry, Therefore, we should be able to forgive someone else for their wrong if they're truly, sincerely sorry. Now, one person was saying, well, if a person never asks forgiveness, you don't have to forgive them. <laughs> he said, the Lord doesn't forgive us unless you repent. And it means we have to receive our forgiveness. But we can't hold bitterness within our heart. We can't hold, but we, can a person hold the sense that they are entitled to what has been taken from them. Are they entitled to restoration? Are they well, entitled to Well, that's what I was going to continue talking about. Um, because someone sent me uh, a question, and it says, since God withholds forgiveness, can we? What does it mean if God withholds I, I, I forgiveness? I don't exactly know. What scripture? God doesn't withhold I mean, forgiveness. Unless, it's, unless the question meant blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. No, I mean, 
Hey, bro, that's a big blanket statement if that's all it meant was blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. But God, he's not withholding forgiveness. A person doesn't seek the Lord for it. Just like this one person, and he's kind of becoming prominent in his profession as far as he's a teacher, and he has a channel, I forget, he has some type of program on TV where he talks about the word, and you would think that he's enlightened, but he doesn't believe that you have to repent. Unless, unless they mean that can you, should you forgive a person who doesn't confess his sin and is not repentant? Like if you don't repent to the Lord, he's not going to forgive you. You have to come to him and, and repent in order to receive the forgiveness. Right. So I'm thinking you have forgiveness for a person who that has done, you're not withholding the forgiveness. If the person would come to you, you would let the person know that they've been forgiven. And I'm thinking in that sense, the Lord doesn't withhold forgiveness. Forgiveness is out there, but you have to go and seek the Lord. You have to acknowledge the Lord. You have to acknowledge that you have done wrong in order to receive the forgiveness from him. You have forgiveness for a person, just like there are people who have done some pretty despicable things. And within my heart, I've forgiven them. Now, whether or not there is ever any type of connection between me and the individual all depends on whether the person is willing to receive it by admitting, receive the forgiveness that I, I have for the individual by admitting that they were wrong. But as long as they won't admit that they're wrong, they can't receive my forgiveness. Right. Not because I'm withholding it, but, but because you still they're forgive, it. But you still forgive. Right. And, that, and that makes you... Um, in good in good standing with the Lord, right? Because in my heart, I've forgiven them, but they haven't received it from me because they won't admit that they were wrong. So I'm thinking, well, okay. So forgiveness is not the same as forbearance. To forbear is to patiently endure a provocation, overlook a slight, or maintain self-control. Mm -hmm. You know how you because you, you, you have to exercise self-control when you see that person sometimes until you get to the point where you really forgive them. But that no, doesn't no, mean... That no, doesn't that mean, doesn't... Forbearance until you really forgive them. No, you've forgiven them. Forbearance even if you forgive the person. For, like Joseph. He, for, he forgave them, but forbearance is when he just... He didn't let them know who he was. He sort of played along with them and everything, but... He had already forgiven them in his heart, but but you can forgive a person, but forbearance means that for the most part you still put up and you're still dealing with the person who's basically a moron. <laughs> well, forgiveness is also not forgetting. It's not uh, eliminating all consequences because he, you have no control over consequences. Right. They suffer, you know, and forgiveness is not just a feeling. Um, it's just not, you know, I feel like I've done it. I feel like I've forgiven them, but yet you're kind of, you're irritated, you're angry, you're bitter, you're, you know. Or you still feel like you need to be justified. You know? They owe me. Right, and they might. See, that's the whole point. That's why it's so difficult. They might owe a person because if somebody has wronged you, you do have a right for justice, just like the person 
who said, you owe me money in the scriptures. The guy did owe him, but because his master had shown him mercy, he felt like even though you had the right to throw the person into debtor's prison, you should not have done it because I showed you mercy. So just because a person can do something doesn't mean that they should. So forgiveness is permanent prematurely without its, in, in, I was looking up an article, prematurely without the prerequisites of confession and repentance, then the truth has not, if forgiveness is prematurely without the prerequisites of confession and repentance, then the truth has not been dealt with openly by both parties. Right. If the offender doesn't acknowledge his sin, then he really doesn't understand what it means to be forgiven. Right. So, so you have forgiveness for the person, but they have to, in order to receive it from you, they have to acknowledge they were wrong. So some key guidelines for godly forgiveness is to acknowledge the fact, acknowledge the fact of evil. That not only that evil exists, but that, that personally that they have participated in it. And then you leave vengeance unto the Lord. You go to the Lord and you, the judgment that, that should be pronounced upon you, you acknowledge the Lord, to the Lord that I, against you, Lord, and only you have I sinned. So you acknowledge the fact that the penalty for your actions is death, but you're basically saying, but Lord, you know my life, my soul is in your hands. And God shows mercy. He forgives us. So anyway, the next question I was going to, talk about is does God, does the Bible instruct us to forgive and forget, but um, we won't have time to do that. We'll have to continue next week. Praise the Lord and let everything that have breath praise the Lord. This week's verse of the day comes from Colossians 3 verses 1 and 2. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not on the things of the earth. Now, I want you viewers to say it right along with us. Ain't God all right? God is all right. Praise the Lord. Last week's food for thought was, what happens when you get a lot of wisdom and increase your knowledge? And the answer is you get grief and sorrow. That answer can be found in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 18, which reads, For in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. This week's food for thought is, when you develop pride, what do you think follows? Hint, the Bible. And that's food for thought.